Welcome to Gensokyo Radio Live 53. I'm going to consider this basically the first show of 2017, although it's the second. The reason I say I think it's the first is because last show we had in January was uh, so different. In fact, it felt much more like a stage five show, which we haven't had for a very long time. Sean, where the heck are you? And uh, speaking of other people, we've got other people in here. We've got uh, DMJ, Nano, and Puzzle joining us tonight. Hello. 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 So, guys, actually, I don't know, it's been... Feels like a while, but I guess it's because we had so much other stuff going on during last show that uh, I, I feel like I haven't really talked to you just in the open. I, I know DMJ has got all this like Milsims stuff that's going on. That's kind of new in your life. It was yeah. kind of something we mentioned last show. How you tried to get your your gun, I guess, to join us while we were playing Quiplash, and that was different, but. Yep, and now my tack vest is joining us here. Your tack vest. You're getting all geared up. What's uh, What exactly is your plan with all that gear? So there might be a little bit of pew-pew action on camera yeah. oh. at some point in time, okay. maybe. <laughs> but it, it, it all depends on what's going on. Um hope my plan is hopefully to get a camera by mid-march and when we're in boston uh i might be getting some footage of me in maybe zara doing some pew pew action at his local field oh, that's cool you know me and zara getting into six millimeter bb larps <laughs> that that is going to be something different definitely not something we usually have as a uh, part of our content uh, which, by the way, you know, I suppose I should mention, because we do have a number of uh, new listeners tonight, what exactly is Gensokyo Radio Live? What are we doing right now? It's a two-hour live show we do every month. We join our listeners in our partner Discord chat, which you can go to by either going to our website at GensokyoRadio.net. There is a button on the sidebar that you can click, provided you're registered. Or if you're too lazy to do any of that, then you can always go to discord.gg gr. It's a really short URL. Thank you, partner status. And uh, yeah, join us there. There's a bunch of people that uh, we're chatting with during the show tonight. And, and we don't. And it's not always during the show. The Discord's open 24-7. People are always on talking. Yeah, it's always... People are always here. Uh, there's, I think, over... There's, I don't know, hundreds of members in the, in the chat. I'd and it always gets super active during the shows for obvious reasons. But yeah, that's that's the gist of it. Uh, as for tonight's show, what we've got going on tonight is we've got a creator showcase. We went out and we found four individuals. We found four people, including Freezex, who is a digital artist. And DMJ talked to Zach, who we actually talked to last show. He was uh, over where DMJ is in the studio over there. And mm-hmm. he's a comic artist, and that's what he does. We also, of course, got a hold of Seismix, who we've talked with before in the past. He's a music artist. And uh, maybe you guys don't know, but Seismix works with someone who goes by the name Peppy, who happens to be the creator of the music rhythm game Os. And so we got him in here as well. We've got a lot of content as far as that goes. We've got something like an hour of interview material to get through, so not a whole lot of free space in this show. 
But uh, we are going to have some music, including music that we haven't heard on here before. And it's uh, going to be a little more normal, except for the whole like hour block of inter- interview stuff. So, mm-hmm. But hopefully this, this will be usual. a bunch of interesting content for you it's guys. It's very so. interesting. Yeah. DMJ, uh, actually, your, your questions were were pretty good they they mimicked mine but you kind of stepped out a little bit more anyway we'll, we'll get into we'll get into that in a bit here i'm gonna jump to a little bit of music so that we get some of that in here and uh let's see what we got going on uh tonight's background music is a combination of cross current and some things from foxtail grass studio so interesting collection or mix there but as far as the music goes, let's jump into this here. This is actually from Foxtel Grass Studio. And you are right here listening to Consocure Radio Live number 53.
listening to Gensoki Radio Live number 53 tonight. Good stuff. The Creator Showcase is, my gosh, this is going to take up literally half the show to do, so we better hop into this pretty quickly here. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, four folks we have on board. The first one we're going to talk to tonight is Freezex. Now, Freezex is a digital artist from the Boston area, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, When I talked to him, we learned a bit more about how he started getting into it, sort of uh, his his standpoint in life. The, I guess I'll mention the general idea when we went out and talked to these various creators is just to kind of get a sense of what life is like for them. What is it like being an independent creator, you know, on your own, doing your own thing, making your own decisions? How do you, uh, how do you get by doing that? I mean, it's an interesting space to be in, which is why I was interested in it and why I wanted to go find some folks. Obviously, we chose four people that were relatively somewhat close to. I mean, networking can only get you so far, but, but, uh, yeah. So, Without uh, further ado, I'm going to get into that. This switchover process is going to be a little different. So, here we go. Uh, interview with Freeze X. Or Freeze EX, as you'll, you'll soon learn. My name is Freeze EX, and I'm an artist. I graduated from a school in fine art in Boston and I've been doing art for around 10 years. Wow, 10 years, okay. So you've said that you've been to a bunch of conventions, you've been doing art for about 10 years. Is art pretty much the main thing that you do? Yeah, basically art is the main thing that I do. Uh, It's pretty stressful, especially when you're Asian and you have Asian parents. Uh, But overall, it's a really fun experience. You get to like travel around for anime conventions, meeting other artist friends. So you said it's difficult being in an Asian family with uh, parents. Would you say, I mean, maybe it's a cultural thing, I'm guessing, uh, where perhaps they have different expectations or they wanted you to do something else. Would you say that's (laughs) true? Yeah, it's like, it's too true. (laughs) Yeah, parents, they expect you to be like, I don't know, I want you to be lawyer, you know, (laughs) Uh, when you're just born, the parents are just going to point at you, like, why are you still a baby? Like, my son is going to be a lawyer, a doctor, or a teacher. Yeah, something something that <laughs> they can tell other people about, and it sounds respectful, right? It sounds yeah, yeah, the faces, you know? So art is obviously something that you must like to do enough to the point where you're just kind of ignoring that sort of feedback, and you're going forth with what you like to do. Yeah, um, it's mostly part of that why going back to like the, the stereotype, like part of that is because like the parents are actually like worry about you but they become so worried that they're they control you too much so uh, for those people who are listening and um who are interested in going into this area for the first two couple of years you are going to get that you know um like get shit from parents but then once you prove them that you're worthy enough to like get a decent you know get a decent pay for what you do they will slowly try like understand what you do and will slowly respect what you do as a actual job you said you started doing art about 10 years ago. At, at what point did you decide that you were going to start doing art and kind of realize that this is the thing you wanted to do? 
basically how I started was I was just like any like high school kids where the class is too boring and then I just like keep sketching and then sketching and sketching and with the you know the influence of anime of course the first thing you have in mind is anime stuff so as time goes by you know the more you sketch the more you don't really listen to the teachers taking notes in class <laughs> so your, your, your grade kind of falls so I was like might as well be an artist you know uh, I've been to a lot of anime convention like the last second the second last year of high school is actually my first time uh, attending to like uh, American anime conventions so I was like oh so our style is a thing I can actually uh, make this a like my own job and give it a try you know and I didn't expect I would last you know this long um, doing that basically I have been doing this for like around two years but like professionally uh, like I want to pursue this like this is only like one of my stepping stones so it's not something that i want to like um, stay forever although that'd be really amazing this is a stepping stone for you but what is your goal like where do you see yourself in say five years from now i, I wouldn't say like where uh where i would see myself but i do actually have a goal it's more like a dream is that okay uh yeah yeah my dream is that like i get to of course be somewhat recognizable because not because of like fame whatever but because like um i want to let people recognize that it's not a shame to be an artist like doing what you like because there's a lot of people who are giving up just because different reasons, you know, like me, parents, family issues, uh, or, you know, friends, or they see someone draw better than them. Uh, yeah, I just wanna let them know that, you know, this, this is not the thing that you should uh, give up. If you like to do something that you like to do, go for it. Basically, it's be someone who is like real big so we can like spread the words a lot easier. How much time would you say you devote to the work that you do? Day to day basis. It really depends on like how lazy I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, I have to be like super honest. It's one, uh, being an artist alley, doing the artist job. That could be a con or pro because if you procrastinate, you can either be really chillax about your job and then just like go around places, do whatever you want, play some games, you have your own schedules. But the con is that you also be like procrastinating and the pile of work was just, the work will just keep piling up. So it's like the conventions almost give you a sort of due date. You're like, if you have something planned, it's like, well, he, you have to have it done by that date and you have to get everything ready and stuff, right? Right. Uh, mostly because of like commissions and also uh, like you have to get ready for conventions where I try to at least have like one new print for every single upcoming conventions. Sure. So yeah, that is uh, quite trippy. There's one point where I had to finish a drawing an hour before I to fly. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> So you do conventions, you do commissions. Where would you say you get most of your business from, like actually being at conventions? Or like, I know you get commissions while you're at conventions too, but... Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't do as much commissions as I do back then. Because like I said, I've been like to a lot of anime conventions like uh, on a monthly basis, uh, probably like once or twice per month. Uh, I even have like three times three conventions for in one month. So like it's most money is basically from anime conventions. What influences your work the most? Do you, do you mind if I start from the beginning? Go for it. <laughs> I'm at, yeah, so I'm actually inspired from an artist called uh, Mirai. Uh, she's a really awesome Mega Man artist back in the day from Taiwan. Is, and is that Mega Man? Yeah, Mega Man. Okay, cool. 
yeah, yeah. Shana um, like <laughs> yeah, but like she haven't been drawing for quite a while. But like back in the day, I've been trying to learn from her uh, style and stuff. And as time goes by, uh, I go to as I attend to art school, I keep getting like um, different perspective of art and uh, painting style. So instead of like the the typical anime where they use some um, cell shadings something that's like really edge and rough instead i would use something like a more painter like and use composition more cinematic and also uh with a little more impact with like some after effects on drawing all the fine art stuff actually like give me a lot of uh, inspirations because even though the difference uh there's a lot of difference in terms of like um styles and anatomy uh but once you learn the, the technical perspective and science of human anatomy and stuff and compositions you will slowly understand anime and realism it's actually like quite similar it really depends on like how you blend or like uh blend them together and yeah by the time i was like somewhere in college i i remember back in the day i was like oh this mirai artist this megman artist right i was so inspired by her like if it wasn't her i wouldn't be drawing you know for six years you know and so i emailed to her it was like i was like oh thank you so much for like doing your artwork and then if it wasn't you there there wouldn't be you know a freezy x <laughs> Uh, as an artist to like draw Toho stuff and and she was like oh yeah it's not that big of a deal but like thank you very much I think that instant like my mind just kind of like popped like what if I can be that person to inspire other people to let them know to help other people to be the best they can ever be as an artist you know or like for those hobbyists who just needs help and going to anime conventions seeing people smile and receive the work that they like or seeing a poster that they like or even like probably sometimes get angry or whatever you know it's just all kind of reactions that inspire me a lot too it really like keeps me going what mm -hmm. does being successful in this mean to you being successful hmm i actually like never thought of like whether if i can be successful because i'm gonna sound like really deep because usually when i do stuff i just do the best i can ever be what's successful actually like comes after what you have done so like usually i wouldn't really worry about whether oh if this is gonna be successful or not like if i if it inspires it, it then it inspires people uh if it doesn't then it doesn't uh so it's not something that i can control or rather i'll not think about it because if you are afraid of something you will have this kind of like block you know this wall in front of you Right. You it's start like, to afraid to do stuff. It's like your yeah. own obstacle. Right, right, right. So, right. so, so what I'm what I'm hearing is you kind of push that aside, and you're like, well, I'm just gonna do what I'm gonna do, and like, and here's my goal, and if it works, great, and if not, I'm still doing what I'm doing because that's what you want to do, right? Right, right. But like, not also, but like, try different things. It's just that like that word of like, are you gonna be successful? It's basically what your parent asks you. Right. Do you do you think you gonna make money? And when I tell my mom, I was like, of course, yeah, I'm gonna make money. But when I talk to myself, it's like, I don't really care what, whatever I make money. I'm just going to do my best, you know? And I I managed to last like two years and it's it's actually doing quite good. So, you know, it's it's more like the most important thing is like, do be the best you can ever be. You have to try different things like learning anatomy, draw stuff that you don't usually draw most, like get out of your comfort zone, you know? If you draw realism a lot, try study uh, anime style. What you have to ask yourself like what kind of style you like not just blindly pursue a certain style because if it's your style that's good but like then again just be the best you can ever be do what you gotta do uh successful is just like uh something other people decided for you uh because you're not gonna tell yourself 
oh, I'm successful, because uh, it sounds pretty dumb. Like, it's usually other people that tells you that you're successful. What would you say you enjoy most about being an independent artist? I guess it's back to like the schedule thing again, but then like sometimes I might get a little bit too compromised by, you know, just playing games or doing this stuff around. Because usually when I play games, I usually keep it uh, on something that I would draw. Like I recently just got into Overwatch, you know, because I drew D.Va. Of course, there's something, there's got to be more to come. Like Undertale and stuff, like I, I play those games. I try to like control as much as possible while having fun, you know? But yeah, uh, if, and if I get lazy, I'll force myself to go to Starbucks and then just draw in the Starbucks cafe. <laughs> uh, you know, just get the change of environment because, you know, you just cannot stay in a, your, your own studio room while the bed is like right next to you every single time. <laughs> it's comfy. I mean, like that's what I enjoy most, but you cannot get too comfy. <laughs> It's, I guess I guess what I like the most is the freedom, being an uh, artist. When you started this, was there anything that just kind of came naturally to you? Like, you thought maybe it would be a challenge, but it's just like, no, I, I got this. I mean, like... Uh, or, or conversely, yeah. if I mean, if there wasn't anything, what, what was what was challenging when you first started getting into it? To be honest, like, everything is really challenging, but then, like, I guess the most challenging part, it's not really the technical stuff because it's something that you can train, you, you can you can uh, study and train and develop. One of the most difficult thing is that when someone come up to you and they say, despite all the work that you have been doing, because like all they seeing is your drawing, but they never really think of all the work behind that single piece of artwork, like all those five year studies and anatomy or those 10 years of like compositions, you know, all those kind of stuff. And right in front of you, they said, oh, I wish I'd draw like that. And calling you have a lot of talent. Cause I personally think talent is not really a, it, it's, it's a myth. It's a, it's a myth for me because uh, I've seen a lot of other people who have been drawing like way less than I do and they're way better than me. And, uh, like every artist has their own pace and it's really hard to like to take that as a compliment sometimes because like uh, they get a little bit too emotional. I would just have to tell them that oh um we can we can work yourself together if you need help so i'll always like try to give them my business card and i'll be like uh if you ever need help on art let me know just just make sure you don't give up don't give up on stuff that you do because someone's better than you uh like that kind of stuff it's 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 less not the thing that's hardest is not really the the technical side because my goal the hardest thing is that usually like the the stuff that i get from my goal pursuing my goal where does the name Freezex come from? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's um And I, I think it you could be a long story. I think you but... pronounced it differently than I did. You say how do you pronounce it? No, I say freeze EX, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, of course there's another way to say it, but I'm not gonna say it here. <laughs> The name is actually from a, um, uh, I'm from Hong Kong, so there's like this game that's called Little Fighter 2, Little Fighter series, and it's an indie game back in the day where indie game wasn't even a thing. And there's this character called Freeze, it's basically like a character with a cape with like a grayish purple hair uh, that can cast icy chill spells uh, or like do all kinds of stuff like that with like ice and stuff. There's also another character called Lewis. Uh, he's like a knight, something like that. And he can transform by bursting out Oz armor. And after the transformation, it'll be Lewis EX. So I thought, oh, uh, you know, as a as a 12 year old kid, 
you know, it's it's like, why would you not be Freeze the X? Because it's so awesome, you know? Back in the day, you see people were like Proto Man, Mario, those kind of stuff, you know? They mix the words together. Now they look at it, uh, you know, they look super lame. It's just that this name would look less lame because nobody knows where the series come from. You've mentioned that you do artwork from a bunch of different IPs, but you have a lot of Toho-related artwork. How did you get into Toho? Flash. Flash. One of, one of those uh, music flash, I think. Sure. Yeah. Do you remember which one, or was it just kind of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think she still does a lot of flash now. Uh, just not as often as, as back in the day. But it was um, it was Homeiling, and she was singing a song because Romelia don't know how to pronounce her name. <laughs> she was like Chukoku, Chukoku, and then she starts singing Meiling, Meiling. What does you Meiling? And I was like, what the f did I watch? <laughs> And I looked up Toho, and I was like, oh my god, okay, I think I'm starting to <laughs> getting into this. Yeah, I just play the game, listen to music, and then attend to like uh, different conventions, because uh, back in the day, like Hong Kong conventions was like full of Toho. Yeah, 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 I bought all the stuff. Like, I was like, I look, I go back and forth, and whenever it's Toho, I buy it. That's how crazy I was back <laughs> in the day. And I was like, uh, I also have some ideas, so I thought I should, you know, draw some Toho stuff. Eventually, that leads me into uh, selling at Emmy Boston, that leads me to Toho Boston, which is a music group uh, who is uh, the producers from Japan studying abroad in America. And turns out we're like really close, like we study our cause are like really close to next each other, which mm. is like across the street. Yeah, it's like, uh, what was it? North, what? Northeastern and uh, School Museum of Fine Art. It's like, yeah, it's right across the street, really, really close. So we are like getting known each other and he decided uh, to get the people from Berkeley, which is a music uh, music college to do Toho music, Toho remix. And I'll be doing the art. He'll be doing the, all the sellings or like, uh, you know, producing the CDs and stuff. So that kind of inspired me and my probably like some other future works that i'll be doing uh and that inspired me to do some toho with like the little tiny mix of like modern with like a boston background it's like a casual toho uh stuff i do plan to do a lot more toho stuff that's like uh boston related uh there's one i'm working on where patchouli is in a uh boston public library and there's like a, a lot of different characters in the background Koakuma is like giving her a cheesecake something like that i look forward to it i i remember when i saw the picture that you did when uh reimu was i think next to the red line or something oh yeah in yeah. a, was a, long in time. a oh. subway station yeah i mean this was back in 2014 again and i remember asking you you know i i really like that artwork what, what, what do i need to do to to uh to get that and your oh, reply, yeah. <laughs> your reply was buy one of the cds yeah mm -hmm. so then i did it's good sales work there i mean yeah here we are <laughs> and, and here we are so yeah you know i think what was it i'm just remembering back the the first place we met was literally in the artist alley and it was also the first year at boston where we were doing a bit of a collaboration thing with the main uh toho panel group oh yeah kill guys mm-hmm and at the end of that, uh, you had something for us. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did, did. Believe it or not, I mean, like, it was, that work was, for me anyway, 
the the thing that like it was a physical thing that I could take with me, I would take back home. It it said can soak your radio on it, and it was like a one of a kind thing. And I I have it sitting in a shadow box on my wall right now. Like it's it is my one indicator that I have, my my first indicator anyway that says this is real. There are people like you went here, you did this, you said the things, and you talked to people who know about the series and know about you and like what you do. I mean, you and me, I guess, being the radio station, but. And, and this is real. Like, it's not just me sitting at a computer hacking out code or whatever. It's there are actual people who are into this. And your work was the thing I could take with me, uh, to, could take away from that. So I, I, I appreciated that. It was a, oh, yeah. it, was a nice, it was a nice gift. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, uh, I really like to, like, spread the, the word. You know, of Toho, because it's like the one of the best religion ever. You know, <laughs> did you say religion? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just that like I know back in the day, I I know like uh, Toho is not really that big a thing compared to like Japan and Hong Kong. So like I really want to everyone to appreciate like what they do, and I was like I didn't. Even, I was really surprised that like people were coming uh, from West Coast and or like uh, even from Japan just for Toho, you know. And I was really happy, so I would love to like draw stuff for them, just like show my appreciations or like just to, just to bond the community together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like even just spread the word. It was really great being able to sit down and talk with you about this Freeze X or Freeze EX, as I'll be saying <laughs> from <Thank> now on. <laughs> So I appreciate the time. Uh, excuse me, my name is pronounced Freeze EX. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm offended. <laughs> I'm offended for the last couple of years calling me Freeze X. Uh, how dare you? <laughs> you have to put that gap in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, must be the gap. And that's it for the interview we had with uh, Freeze X. If you get the name right, I've, I've been calling him uh, Free. Freezex. Did I say Freezex Free- to correct myself? I mean, Freezex. Free well, I mean, this isn't the first time we got someone's name wrong. <laughs> Definitely not your first time. No, no. Uh, collective. <laughs> collective. Bobe music. Okay. Remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was terrible, okay? <laughs> that was a collective like, mistake. And, and even when we had Bubba on the, on the show, like, we made fun of ourselves the entire time. Mm-hmm. I, I know, like... I was there, man. I'm not gonna be the only one! (laughs) No, no, apparently not. You know, speaking of, did you know that, uh, an interesting factoid that I ran across yesterday, or a bit ago, did you know that last year, the year 2016, the word of the year was dumpster fire? This is by the American Dialect Society. Name? I guess a lot of people went to the state of New Jersey. <laughs> but Oh, I just, cause, yeah, because uh, yeah, I think it's appropriate, especially at least here because you had your tire fire show at Live Forty Five. But uh, oh my god, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, it fit in somehow. No, I, I just. I just find this funny. Uh, they ask, why? Because it says the phrase best represents, quote, the public discourse and preoccupations of 2016. Because um, there was so much stuff that happened last year. Alright. So what do you guys think? I know you guys were listening in while this was going on. Pretty good. I thought, I thought it was pretty interesting hearing about 
how his family, his family kind of viewed him like they wanted him to be something else. And he's like, no, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to draw and do what I want. And um, essentially, he just uh, did it. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, basically. Uh, I think it was, I don't know, I don't remember where I saw it, but Freezy X recently posted a list of conventions that they're either, I think, going to or planning on going to if they can get in. I guess I don't know what's confirmed at this point, but there's a good handful. It's, um, I want to say around 10 maybe, but after having talked with him, like, this is just kind of what he does, you know? Mm-hmm. So pretty cool uh some of our folks in the, our partner discord chat are linking some of his work or at least i think that is it looks like it's his style maybe not but uh now that i say that people are probably gonna do that <laughs> anyway yep. um to break it up a little bit here i'm gonna just hop into another song we'll come back and we will talk with our next guest here, uh, Zach, and actually DMJ was the one that did that interview. So, pretty cool stuff. If I can, if I can find my. Uh... That was a that interview specifically <laughs> was actually done in two takes. <laughs> it doesn't even seem like it, actually. Well, the thing is, the first take was thrown to the wayside. Oh, <laughs> like the whole thing. We had fifteen. We recorded it in fifteen minutes, and I looked over at Audacity. And then my computer crashed. Oh, gosh. So we had to start all over again. Ah, oh, rip. Man, I'm glad I didn't have to do that. Guys, like, it, it, we, we're doing this for an hour here, but you have to realize, like, we have about two and a half to three hours of content. We had to, to sort through all of it. So if this seems like a lot, there's a lot more after this. And we'll talk a bit more about that in a little bit here. Uh, before I play this next set, I want to mention that there's a there's an interesting thing that happened. I, literally less than a week ago, I realized I looked back at the album Haunted House that Seismics did uh, back in 2013, I think, and apparently, uh, I I have the version on Bandcamp, but apparently there are eight tracks that I had no idea even existed. When I initially downloaded the album, it had 20 tracks and I thought that was it. These are all the tracks that are on this album. That's awesome. It's actually kind of a lot of tracks for one album. Uh, if it were in physical form, I'm pretty sure you'd have to split amongst two CDs. But anyway, I looked back last week and there are 28 tracks. So there's eight tracks that I have not heard from this 2013 album all this time. And for all the times that I've mentioned, like the work you're that having does, me double check because I, I'm like, I am pretty sure that album came with 28 out of the box. I there were 20 and oh gosh, puzzle why? There were 20 initially. I honestly like maybe I was a really early adopter and they weren't on there. Maybe if I'm well, lucky enough, I could I could find the original folder I downloaded. You got a limited edition. <laughs> right, haunted house. Yeah. Oh my gosh, 20 songs? Oh my gosh, you, there might be a revisit to that album in a review if there are 28 songs. There are. The, well, the only thing is, the eight songs that come after that are done by other 
artists, so it's not necessarily his work, but I think they're like remixes of songs that he's done or something to that effect. Anyway, the only reason I mention this here and now is because we're going to play one of those uh, after this song here. This is Prome- uh, Prometheus, I guess. It's missing the H. Followed by True Administrator, the Jericho's Bro Step remix. Get ready for that. Stay tuned here in Gitsoku Radio Live number 53.
Demonstrator. about a little music to wake you up <laughs> Kentucky Radio Live number 53 tonight we are continuing forward with this uh, interesting stream here where we are talking with various folks various content creators of various kinds yep also before we did that I did want to mention something and I I feel like this is going to become sort of a regular occurrence. Hey, Google, what is the word dumpster fire? 
Dumpster fire. A fire in a dumpster. Thanks, Google. <laughs> All right. You know what? You know what surprised me about that thing? Hmm. Nano. Nano, are you there? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so you know that question that you were at, that you got asked to the Q and during the Q and A show, where uh, it was like, how? What was it? Have you ever done what you do? Blah 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 blah. All that. Oh yeah. Google has an answer to it. Yeah. Um. Tell hold me. On, we got okay. Five. It's pretty funny. Hold, hold, it's hold answered. On, hold on, hold on. Let, let, let me see if I can get this from memory. Um. Hey Google. Have you ever been as far decided what to do look more like? Sorry, I don't know okay. how to help with that. I I, I got to find the actual phrase. Mm. Do you... Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Have have you ever been as far decided? Okay. Uh, okay, here we go. Okay, Google. Has anyone really been far even as decided to use even go want to do look more like? According to debate.org, my guess is that when one really been far even as decided once to use even go want, it is then that he has really been far even as decided to use even go want to do look more like. <laughs> That's actually different what? than the original answer. The original, the one that we heard before pulled it from YouTube. Not, what was that, debate.org or something? Yeah, that was debate.org. <laughs> that was a little strange. Okay, let's hop into the next one here actually just before i do that we are at the half so let me get this out of the way we have an astonishing 105 listeners with us tonight thank you everyone uh from Jeez. the following countries we've got argentina australia belgium canada chile croatia the czech republic denmark finland france germany hungary indonesia israel italy japan korea malaysia mexico the netherlands new zealand norway peru russia serbia that's a unfamiliar one thank you whoever you are singapore sweden the united kingdom united states and vietnam holy crap that's a lot of countries countries, Thanks, countries huh? i know like like listen to us on a fairly regular basis but almost never catch us during these shows like italy and mexico that's pretty neat all right and for the listeners the usernames out there those who have gone out on the website and associated their username with their listener profile we've got malhavik alias killer fred d uh maru marsu shining kv chat one mr ead arani chris one yukari fancy three sha shaiko estuna lord ptolemy dmj general Coolman, zero one two zero astro ninja one arizu c arizu c okay uh, Mr. Sketchy Etchy, the Dratini Farmer, Kagiro Deze, and Elite Asian, and Natsukagami. Thank you, everyone out there. Let's hop into our second bit here. This is with DMJ and Zach Miller, a comic artist, right here in Gensokyo Radio. Welcome, Zach. Hello. Uh, I know this is like what? The fourth time you've been in here in the studio? It has. It's the fourth time I've been in the studio, and I guess because uh, the, the other two times, I believe, I was on camera. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. And you were there for the cookie show? I was, yes. Uh, I think you were there for one other episode. It was the one prior. Yeah, prior to... It was. I think it was like 46, 47, maybe? Yeah, something like that. And then... You were with us for Anime Boston. Mm -hmm. You were with Anime us. Anime Boston 2006 to preface all of this. Yeah. 
2016, you were there. 2006, oh my gosh, 2016. Don't worry, I do the same thing <laughs> and people get really confused. <laughs> but you were there, so let's preface everything here. Okay. What do you do as professionally? Professionally, I am a freelance comic book artist. And what are your influences, your inspirations? Who do you draw from? A pun intended. <laughs> yeah, pun intended. <laughs> Uh, I suppose, like, content-wise, what I draw from is just life experience, uh, how I'm feeling in that particular day, uh, that can depend on the palette or even mediums that I choose. So, so like, colors? Definitely. Sculpting, you know, Scu different Right, stuff. correct. You know, if I'm uh, feeling very literal uh, or just cut and dry, I will choose uh, a medium like Super Sculpey, and then I can sculpt a, a, an idea in a 3D format mm -hmm. and um, bake it, paint it, and then. And, I guess... and you, you, you mostly like. What are your favorite genres? Sci-fi, you know, the occult. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like how you went to the first. Okay, um, uh, my favorite genres. I guess they would be psychological thriller. I guess. Like, like, are you like are we talking Twin Peaks? Are we talking X Files? We're talking about all that. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about Twin Peaks, X Files. Just something. Uh, the best I can describe it, like a fever dream. Ah, uh, because I'm, I'm like I'm, like H.R. Like Geiger meets like Giger, but yes, yeah. um, it's it's. If you were to see one of my pieces in the standalone, without knowing, I mean, yeah. you have the luxury of knowing me. Yeah. So you understand what life circumstances I'm. Yeah. Currently undergoing, but. Um, if you were to see one of my pieces without context, maybe it's a bit uh, archaic or obtuse. But it usually has something to do with a particular distraction, I'll say, for the PG rating I, yeah. uh, with, uh, with, within my life. So. so, like, I remember at one point in time you were sitting on Facebook Live and you were sculpting, like, bug people. I was, yeah. Uh, it was, um, I have a friend named Amelia, and she's actually an entomologist. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were comparing notes, my sketches, and her actual work in the field. And we were together that day. Uh, we had just gotten back from the bar, and she was, you didn't see her, but she was next to me. And I decided to sculpt a wasp, I guess, warrior. But it was anthropomorphized, so it had human features like fingers and arms and, and like how long does it normally like because i know you do a lot of sculpting you also do writing and you also do you know pen and paper i do writing yeah. as well how long does you normally you put your thought process going from thought process where it just like pops into your head to completed work how long does that take you now then i'm not including like tending out to a colorist or anything just like right. what you do uh, for all intents and purposes, it depends on the piece because sometimes I can be sporadic, mm -hmm. like I did with the, I guess, what would I call it, wasp warrior, mm -hmm. and uh, that was just off the cuff uh, because I was doing it for friends. I really wasn't doing it for anything other than demonstrative purposes. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, again, I was, I had a few beverages in me, and I was there with my friend Amelia, who is a proper entomologist. But for something like a work that I would want to publish, uh, I would put more thought into it. Going through that process, when something, when you get like inspired by something, like let's say you got, like when you just got back from New York Comic Con, and you just, yeah. you just started going right into I like was old on, school comic books. I was on fire because I had a. 
uh, can, can I say a small swear? Small swear? I had I had a fire under my ass after I was in Artist Alley mm-hmm. by myself. I got so emotional because I was surrounded by. Well, and not only that, this that was like what the third third time in like or what was it fifth time in three months you saw Stan Lee? Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> so that was very interesting, and it, it, by the end of it, you know. Because, you know, he sees thousands of faces, but by the end of it, he's like, Oh, yeah, you're, you, yeah, I remember you from Fandom Fest. Yeah, Kentucky, yeah. And I was like, wow, that's a little humbling. You, you again, you went to AB with us, and I know you're not, like, big in the Toho community. You're kind of, like, just, like, emerging. You haven't really done I, I'm, any I'm, work I'm yet. dipping my toes. Yeah, you're, you're kind of, like, dipping my, your toes. My, my tohos. Your tohos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to censor that pun, you can because I think that might kill our audience. <laughs> but, but um, did you get any like inspiration from that? Like going to ABC, in the arcade, seeing like you know you got Nano who's doing all of his art. You had Freezex who was there. You had a bunch of people who were there doing. I can I can art. say you know because because I gelled with everybody that we hung out with. Mm-hmm. But from a artist's perspective, I think I clung more to Nano more than everybody just because we had a commonality with what the, the content we were drawing. Yeah. So uh, Nano and I really struck it off well, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to pick his brain this year. But I don't think I derived much inspiration from that. Well, I'm just, I'm just talking about like seeing the people, seeing the people, you know, how big the community is. Surpri- astonishingly big. I didn't expect that, especially because when I went to AB, like tangentially, I guess the reasons that I went to AB, because I had never traveled by myself prior. And uh, Jacob and I went to high school, so Jacob and I are close friends. Yeah. Um, but he had extended this invitation, and I had just gotten out of a long-term relationship, so I needed, I guess, a distraction or a vacation. So I decided- A drinkation? A drinkation. So I just, <laughs> you know, upon a whim, I went with Jacob to Boston, Massachusetts, and it turned into a year-long venture. At I'm least traveling everywhere! At least, at least for me, yes. <laughs> So, so getting back on the topic of art, I noticed because you went to Boston, you went to New York, how like going to those places, seeing all the different faces, seeing mm-hmm. all the different stuff, like New York is a common backdrop for Marvel comics. Definitely. I mean, they're um, just an example. Peter Parker yeah. lives with his aunt and they live in a particular apartment complex called Forest Hills, and I can tell you exactly where Forest Hills is, because it's in Queens, and I pass by it to get to my aunt and uncle that live in Mineola, Long Island, so... So, so, <laughs> did, did, you, did you go pay respects to Uncle Ben? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so... I know you got a lot of people, I know there's a lot of people behind you, but like, do you draw from that? Do you draw from like your family backing you and your art from your, you know, because I know I back you, I know all our buddies, but you, I know Correct. your, your I family mean, even like you. even more than just like, more than just having a nice back rub and saying, go get them champ from you. Yeah. You know, I, I do have some, get them, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I do have some supporters, you know, on Patreon and I'm yeah. uh, funded in slight. I'm not making more than two figures a month, but two, but, that's uh, better than one. Yeah. You know what? Fair <laughs> enough. But my family's always supported me in my artistic endeavors. My father was growing up into, uh, he was a physical laborer. He was a, mm-hmm. he was a blue collar worker. Like me working at and yeah, well, yeah, well, he, you know, my dad's been a plumber for almost 30 yeah. years. 
So he's been digging ditches, and in the entirety of growing up, he said, Zach, you're much smarter than me. You you are more talented than I am. You are more versed in the world than I am. I want you to grow up to be something, an artist, a sculptor, um, tattoo artist, which was an, a venture before comic book art, but that's a story for another day. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was kind of like your foray into into getting recognized. Because I know you got an Instagram, and that was like one of the big things that got you into art. Because that got you, what, that Nickelodeon gig? It did. The, the first, I guess, gig I got was October 2015. The, the splat before it had officially launched, extended. Which, tell, tell everybody, because not a lot of people know what the splat is. The splat is... 90s Nickelodeon. The splat is if you grew up in the age, it's Snick. Yeah. And they extended out to me when I had fan art for, I think it was a Reptar? Yeah, Reptar. It was Reptar. And, uh, not only you don't even know which one's which one. I'm sorry, I've had a lot of gigs since then. Yeah. Um, which we'll get into <laughs> later. But they had reached out to me through Instagram through various tags, and they said, hey, this is good art. Do you mind if we put your... Because what it was, the format it was in was a time-lapse piece. And they said, hey, this is good. Do you mind if we use it as a bumper for, you know, segment in, segment out? Uh, you've, you know, you've got time lapses for, like, Rocco's Modern Life, Rugrats, and this, that, and the other. And they also noticed that I had an All Real Monsters tattoo of Crumb on, on, your foot. On, my, on my foot. So they said, hey, we recognize you as a fan. Do you mind if we use some of this art? We'll credit you, segment in, segment out. This is for the first week or so for the, for the channel while we f- figure this format out. And I was like, yeah, sure. Cool, go for it. And then I guess that paid my way for Boston. Yeah, that so. paid your way into Boston. That paid that paid for that whole year. That paid for a year, yeah. So And then and then after that, what other gigs did you end up getting? I ended up um I feel like like many of my stories, it started with a an, a, an adult beverage. <laughs> it seems like you're sitting here with an adult beverage in your hand. It is the champagne of adult beverages. We'll leave it as nebulous as that. Yep. But uh, once I got far along into it, because I guess AB was my first venture into all this. Actually, no, 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 no. I take that back. It was a local event, the Louisville Arcade Expo. Uh, Jacob and I are both from Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So the Louisville Arcade Expo, I guess, for one... It's usually at the beginning of the year, March or April. Uh, we have several persons uh, bring their own equipment and machines, uh, arcade cabinets, to a one localized... I guess, you know, hotel, oh, or, yeah, hotel. or conference room, and uh, it just becomes an arcade for three days, and that's where I started. And then I got the little bug, because before I attended... Bug, it was more of like an aggressive itch that you needed a doctor for. It, that is true, but Jacob had already extended the invitation, and I was wary of it prior to going to my first proper convention. And then I was like, you know what, Jacob, I can't swing Boston. And so it went from Louisville Arcade Expo to Boston... And then I went to places like Gen Con, local con Fandom Fest, which yeah. is where I first met Stanley. Der- and there was a bunch of people there too. There was Kevin Smith, Derby City Comic Con, Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith's daughter, Harley Quinn. I, uh, again, I went to uh, Gen Con. I went to so many places. Uh, New York City Comic Con by the end of the year. Yeah. And a very the smallest con we went to because we started it together and we ended it together at the Oldham County 
Comic-Con, Comic-Con. which had an attendance of probably 100 or 150 people. Which was impressive for our small town. It really was for our, our quaint little town. That was very impressive. And the amount of, like, talent that came out. I'm surprised because, you know, my friend Kevlin came, my friend Brian came, my friend Chad wanted to come. And I know these means these names mean nothing to the audience, but for us, I mean, yeah. it, it, it carries some heft. I don't know where I was going with that story, but I guess that's my <laughs> my, my path to here. We're, we're in, fi- in like five, ten, like not even five. Let's go. Let's go in the next year two years three years where do you where do you see yourself going do you say in the next three years yeah next three years i'm sorry i don't have 2020 vision (laughs) oh man oh man Uh, i am so sorry (laughs) i am so sorry listeners he he walked into that uh in the next five years i can see my self being a professional comic book artist because i've already spoken to persons on dc and marvel alike if I had my druthers about me, I would uh, preferably go to Image Comics, where I would keep my, I guess, ownership of my mm-hmm. properties, and uh, they would just be a catalyst for publishing. All right. Do you, do you have any, like, because I know we've talked about, like, but do you have any, like, original ideas in your mind, like, comics you want to get done? Absolutely. Um, like, and, like, you, you're, you got, you're, you're getting them fleshed out, and you're just waiting on the okay? Absolutely. Um, the okay I'm waiting for. And, you know, nothing is set in stone. Yeah. And I don't like to count my eggs before they, before they hatch. If I had my way on DC, I would really, really love to draw for Batwoman, even if it's just... Uh, and, and I know you're a big fan of Batman. And just Bat- the Batman, and just the, the Batman the, the universe fam- in general. The family in general, yes. Um, but I would really like to draw for Batwoman. I think she's a very strong character. She, she represents the queer community. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she is a lesbian. She's in a established relationship with another woman. Mm-hmm. And she's just super strong and independent. It like Her being a woman does not matter in yeah. the narrative. She's just a very... Strong, like, strong character. Absolutely. Like, grounded. Also, I love drawing her red hair. That's so fun. It's so fun and wavy to draw. It's fun to draw in the rain. It's fun to draw in the wind, just, like, whipping a- across her face. And, mm-hmm. You know, on top of a 30-story skyscraper... Yeah. Uh, not, you know, on top of a gargoyle and just seeing her hair whip. You know, it, it's it's fun to draw. But uh, as far as my own personal works, uh, I do have something in store. I can't really talk about it just because, again, nothing's set in stone. But I am working on the uh, the drafts, the layouts mm-hmm. for my first issue. And it is entitled A Boy and His Bones. Ooh, sounds spooky. It's it's not spooky. It's more eerie. It's more uh, again a psychological horror. Like more Guillermo del Toro. Absolutely. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> so <laughs> I I personally love that kind of like eerie stuff. Let's go off to so you're an anime fan. Yeah, well, I'm an abso- anime absolutely. Fan. What are your favorites? What are your favorites? Not just story wise, but visually as well. So my absolute favorite. Yes. Yu Yu Hakusho. I knew it. Absolutely. I knew you were going to say Yu Yu Hakusho. But, uh, um, again, we're in audio format. You Mm -hmm. cannot see this, but on the back of my right arm, I have a One Punch Man okay tattoo. (laughs) Oh, One Punch Man. I always... You know what was funny? I never got to watch One Punch Man until... After we got back from AB. We watched it before we went to AB. Oh, we, yeah, we, we, we watched episode we watched, one. We watched it in mass in around December. Yeah. So I could verse you on it because you had already explained to me you wanting me to follow you into AB. Yeah. 
and we just watched all 12 episodes because by that time it was very late December so yeah. by that time it was all out yeah so we did watch it then and and I know like what visually what are your favorite studios like because like mine I love watching studio triggers work uh-huh they they do amazing animations it possibly some of the best didn't they do something with um gumball yeah they, I don't know if it was them, but I think the people did it in spirit of them because of, you know, Kill a Kill. Right. Favorite like, studio is Bones, bro. Bones. I, li- I really like um, Attica 7. Mm-hmm. That's fun. I mean, obviously Ghibli, but that's low-hanging fruit. That, that's everybody's. That's like that's like saying Walt Disney is your favorite kid's... <laughs> right, you right. Know, cause it's, it's like saying that Mickey Mouse is my favorite animation character. Yeah. Um, it's like low-hanging fruit. In all honesty, probably Bones. Bones? Yeah. Alright. So, like... The, the other thing is you work with a ton of mediums. I what do. is your favorite? Like, outside of pen and paper, what is your favorite? Because I know you do you, you work with spray paint. I know you work with modeling clay. Sometimes I've seen you. I think you worked with foam at one point. I have worked with foam, yeah. Like, what, uh, is your, what is your favorite, your most expressive medium oh besides gosh. pen and paper? I would have to say polymer clay. Why? Because I can get as much emphasis on my pieces as I would like. It's very, it's a very translucent medium, should I choose the flesh tone. So there is a lot of work that's already done for me. Mm-hmm. If I'm drawing, or sorry, the, the term is still the same, sketching, which is a very quick sculpt. But if I'm sketching something and I can, I, if I wish to bake it, I can bake it. I feel like it's close enough. Even if it's 80% of the way, it can always sand. I could always prime. It's a very forgiving medium, too. You can mm-hmm. saw it in half and then fill it up with, you know, say I'm doing a bust piece and then I say, well, the neck's not quite long enough. I can saw the neck off and I can fill in the gap with more polymer clay, bake it again, and it's as good as new. And it's a very forgiving medium, so I don't have as much anxiety in polymer clay as I do in something like inking a two-page spread for a comic book. Yeah. So. And I know you're you another medium. I well, I'm not gonna call it medium. Style you use. Is, I, you know, you're trying to study calligraphy. Correct. You use calligraphy. Correct. How is that influencing how you do your art? Well, uh, for me, the calligraphy is a very step off of uh, what's known as line heft. So say, uh, there's a lot to explain in a brief amount of time. So there's a phenomenon, or I guess a technique, known as foreshortening, and that's when you translate a 3D image to 2D. So if I was to, say, draw One Punch Man, we're all anime fans here, if I was to draw One Punch Man punching something from a first-person perspective, his fist would be very large, and his forearm would be very shortened and chunky, and then his bicep behind that would be shorter and smaller, and then his shoulder would be smaller behind that to imply where they lie relative to each other. Mm -hmm. So where line heft goes, if I would like to insinuate that something is heavier or it shows motion, where there's the least amount of motion, I would draw the thickest lines and then it would taper to something thinner. In my instance, again, art's subjective, but mm-hmm. in my instance, if I was to draw One Punch Man in that particular pose I just described, his fist would have very bold lines, and they would get thinner the farther back you would go. And that's line heft. So where that translates to, if I was to draw something like kanji or just even script, 
that translated well to, you know, to taper in, taper out, and it's the same pen strokes and the same ink and the same tool that I'm using. I've never really gotten into art per se. I've done a lot of writing. I've done, I dabble here and there for music, but I mean, I don't, I never get like a really good true artist perspective on a lot of things. And that is, and that's something that's really enlightening and the reason why like I I like talking to you about it is because it just gives me a good insight on what's going on because you can't go anywhere out out in the world and not see somebody's visual piece, whether it be photography or some sort of line work or something like that. I mean, it's everywhere we look. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I think, what's important about an artist and why we need more people creating like you. I feel like that is very important. What is your perspective on the artist's place in the world? Because I know... You know, there's banks that you use it for political, so, socio political commentary. Socio political right, commentary. You have people out there who are just like modern art by taking like a hat, putting it in a box, and saying it's art. You know, you have that's what. What do you think the artist's place in the world is? For me, in all honesty, and this will be very, very existential because I have a meandering brain. <laughs> when we have quantified all we can, mm-hmm. when we've theoretically as a species if we could quantify all we can you know explain the meaning of life or why gravity is the way it is what a black hole is Mm -hmm. things of that sort what's left is perspective and i feel like that's the artist's place where they relay their perspective to someone else whether whether it be through writing music visual art a sculpture so what's left out of everything that's quantified would be perspective well, Zach, thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, it's always great to have you in the studio, and it's just, it's nice. It's nice to kind of, like, talk. Not to cut you off, but can I do a shameless plug? Shameless plug. If you'd like to see my paintings, my sculptures, the current video games I'm playing. Yeah. So, so uh, I guess my Instagram name is Zach, with an H, 13, the number, art. So Z-A-C-H-1-3-A-R-T on Instagram. All right, that is interview with Zach Miller, DMJ. I think you did a pretty snazzy uh, job there. Nice work. Well, there's updates. <laughs> there are updates, like after yeah. interview updates. Okay. After interview updates. So first things first, it was in the initial cut, but never made it. We talked about a little bit about his por- He's working on his portfolio right now, and he's working on getting into DC Comics. Mm-hmm. And so he's been working. He got into contact with the colorist for um, who does Deathstroke currently. Okay. And they collaborated on a piece, and I'll link it here in a little bit once I find it. I gotta dig through Instagram to find it. Well, just today he linked up with. Let me. I gotta get. Let me get this right. It's on his Facebook. Um. He actually landed a deal with uh, another colorist from DC Comics uh, who is currently scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I think he's working on... uh, Here we go. Uh, Jeremiah Skipper. He works on uh, doing uh, colorization for uh, Young Justice, Wonder Woman, the new Batmans, and the new Catwoman's. Okay. He's working. He's working on a individual piece with him, 
And on top of this, he's also kind of pseudo lady to deal with DC, kind of, not really. It's, it's <laughs> this weird, like, they said yes, but they're waiting on his portfolio to say you're on. Okay. So it's kind of like this really unique thing that he's doing, and he'll be coming with me up to Boston here in a month's time. And you get to, he's coming in a more professional format, he said. So we'll see what he's got. And he's not only doing stuff outside of comics, he's also doing some stuff for us recently. Uh, Lunar, if you yeah. want to, I, I don't know if you want to talk about that. Well, yeah. So Zach, uh, what was it? It literally was last month that he uh, extended the offer to. Man, I have to back up here. You're, I, I, DMJ, I had a plan, and we're now deviating from the plan, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, choo-choo, like, let's ride this train! This is like but future is it, interruption. That's, no, that's like every other show. Nah, I mean, <laughs> you're right. The key word is adaptability. I have to be able to adapt to... It's, it's the DMJ Audible. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes. Okay, so, yeah... As uh, we, you know, we're talking with creators tonight, and we ourselves are creators of a sort. I mean, we don't make music per se, but we obviously do this show, and we also are working on some things outside of Gensokyo Radio as part of Lunar Spotlight Media. We mentioned this last show, but we have a website out there. It's visualnovel.moe. It's an informational website on some of the things we are working on. It's essentially a visual novel engine that's web-based and modern and all this stuff. You can find out more about it there. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it because we honestly have more stuff to get through. But uh, do go check that out. I know some folks in our chat room have mentioned a little bit about that uh, in there. If you see somebody with a pink name, they're a supporter. Yeah. Pink is apparently the color that everyone wanted, so... Oh. It works, I guess. I'm gonna break this yep. up a little bit with uh, a song. I, I I know like it's a lot of talking, but and uh, we're probably gonna be bumping up against the end of the show here. But let me uh, cue up the next one here. This is kind of a cool one that's from Frozen Starfall. It's called Rainforest, and uh, I'll play this up here. We'll be back with the interview with Seismics and Peppy, the creator of Osu, or Os as he'll inform me on Gensou Security Live number 53.
Nice chill music there. That was Rainforest from Frozen Starfall. Alright. Some of you might recognize the music that we're playing here. This is a little song that Seismic's made. For those of you who have been with us for a time, you'll know that we initially brought Seismic's on to one of our past shows and asking him when he first started doing freelance work. And if you don't know... Uh, some of that freelance work was working with Peppy, the creator of Oz. So, in that steed, I made the decision. I thought it would be a good idea to do uh, to interview them both together, and we have an interesting sort of uh, conversation that goes on here. Uh, in fact, if if you have played the music Oz or the game Oz, you'll uh, you'll probably recognize the music from last holiday season when you started the game. This song would come on, and that's actually something that Seismic's made for the game. When you open the game, his music would start playing, and it's I mean honestly, Seismic's doesn't just do the uh, the electronic music the complexstro that you you might be familiar with there's a lot of other stuff that goes on along with that as well so let's start getting into this and not waste any further time hello i am seismix i am 22 years old and i am a musician from norway hi i am peppy i'm 30 years old and i made us when did you start getting into making music i started about eight years ago i think it was after i discovered toho on youtube uh it's the usual story of me discovering Soul, the precious thing by iosis and then i realized that there was a huge community dedicated to remixing the toho music it sounded fun and my sister happened to have fruity loops and was like just having fun with it and one day I tried it out and uh, I connected the pieces and then just started having fun. Sounds like it was the, the beginnings were very humble. And at what point did you realize that you sort of had a knack for this kind of thing? You had a talent. And even further than that, at what point did you realize like, hey, this is something I might actually want to do as more of a focus? It went from becoming like a hobby. Um, I, I, I really had fun, a lot of fun making music. I eventually started releasing it on YouTube and I got a pretty decent reception from friends and they uh, motivated me and told me to just keep going. I got approached by a Japanese person who wanted to release an album with my Toho music on it and I was ecstatic and I started making so much music and then eventually I just realized like I released a CD like and I was having so much fun and it's like it's like a very rare tale of, of being very lucky, I think. Do you remember who it was that uh, that got in contact with you, or was it like a group uh, or something? No, it was a single person. Uh, his name is well, his handle on Twitter is Tomopon, and he 
uh, he basically just liked my music and he was a fan of Toho and I don't know, he could do what I always wanted to do, which was release music. And so it just happened. You've kind of developed this style that you've dubbed complex draw. I don't know if it's something that you made up. I mean, I've heard it other artists say that. Do you have a unique style? Have you taken that and kind of made it your own? Well, the reason I ended up making Complexer was because I was just making music and then somebody else told me that it was Complexer. It was actually MYTK, the other artist who's like super young and really talented. Um, he told me he really liked Complexer and that my music sounded like Complexer. And then I looked into what it was and I really enjoyed it. Um, and then I just kept practicing and, and I really fell in love with it. What has been your biggest influence on your work? It can be external factors, family, friends, current events, or maybe something from within. I've always been a very expressive person, um, whether it was growing up doing acting or if it was, uh, I like drawing. I kind of want to do anything if it's uh, creative, but definitely there's some musical inspirations. Uh, some that happened later on, Peppy will stand by me that I am a huge Nato fan. Uh, and so his music really set the standard of, uh, oh, I want to sound clean like this guy. He has everything figured out. He has like good chords and, and vivid melodies that I fell in love with. But then he also had really badass simple drops and, and stuff like that. And so just developed after having those inspirations. What do you enjoy the most about being an independent artist? Well, there's a bittersweet aspect to it that I both love and hate, which is you're completely responsible for everything. You know, when, you, when you're when you an independent creator, you kind of have to make your own job or, or create your own work. Um, I've been lucky in the sense that Peppy is very supportive and brought me on board for us um, and supports me that way, which is really giving me enough space to to like take this music thing super seriously. In some months, I can't make enough music that I'm supposed to do because it's it's hard keeping up inspiration for music because I want every song to sound differently. But sometimes I just I do a lot of songs. It 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 goes up and down. So the biggest pitfall is that it's unreliable. But when you get good at it and consistent at it, it's like so freeing because you you have your own schedule and you can you can just do whatever you want it's it's, it's a great feeling that's a great segue because now i have a few questions for you Pepe. it's been well established throughout talking about this that it is pronounced os and i know a lot of people out there pronounce it oso it's a very english american maybe type of thing but but the way it is said is is os because that's how phonetically um, you would say it in, in japanese yeah right? yeah so if it was in japanese yeah it would be os or osu like to an extent, because in, in Japanese you can pronounce the su sound if you want, but generally um, when you're using the word os, it's usually uh, like the most common usage of the word is when you're saying like oheo gozaimasu as a, as a short, shortened version, like mm -hmm. good morning. Yep. And in that case, it's it's os, so that's generally what we go with. But yeah, I, I don't mind if people pronounce it osu. For the uninitiated, in your words, what is os? So Oz is a rhythm game which I started, I guess I created after playing a Nintendo DS title which goes by a similar name, it's Oz Tatakai Oendan, which is a Nintendo game, or an INIS game. Basically I, I played that game and I was really enjoying it, 
but in in the set Nintendo game, you're limited to about ten tracks, ten songs which you can play through.、Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to expand on that. I want I I could I was listening to other music at the time, like other Japanese、uh, J-pop mostly at that at that period, and I could basically see see the game happening in my head, and I wanted to play it with these other songs. So I, I just went forward and like you know fiddled with some code. I was trying out some of the new the new game dev packages out there, and yeah, I made I made this thing which was at the time called ON Test, and that's where it started. So so the game is basically、uh, circles circles appear on the screen, and you click the circles in time to the to the song that's playing in the background. And、um, I guess one of the unique aspects of us. And the original is that each time you click, it actually plays a sound effect on top of the original song.、Mm-hmm. So depending on how you make the levels for the game, you can actually add to the song. You can give it a new beat on top of the original. So I just took that and, you know, gave it to some friends. I wasn't really planning on making it into a game or anything, but people were really enjoying making levels for it. So it just one thing led to another, and. Eventually, I published it on the internet, and that's where it started. You mentioned that you had dabbled a bit in in code packages and things. It sounds like you have sort of a development background of some sort. Kind of how how did you get into development work? So yeah, I guess when I was a real young kid, like three or four years old,、um, I was always、uh, like fiddling with gadgets around the house, and eventually, my dad got、um, a Commodore sixty four. One of the really old、uh, PCs that you plug into a TV, and that came with some programming books that like had sample code, just some really simple, simple programs. You can basically the the way to get it into the PC at that time was just to type the code in yourself, and then you can save it to a tape or a floppy disk. My mum would sit with me and just write these lines of code out, and I would be looking on at the time. Like obviously, I I couldn't write it myself, but eventually I, I learned to. And、uh, yeah, that's where it started. So I've always, you know, been coding since I was a little kid. It sounds like O started from a pretty simple, humble beginning. It was an interest that you built upon, and it's become this huge deal. And there was a there was a point where you found that it went from this interest, this little project that you had, into realizing that you needed to. Shift your focus. You needed to. It needed to be more of a main focus. So,、yep. uh, so my question is, what was the transition like, going from us being a project to needing to work on it full time? Initially, like when I started it,、um, the first version of us was actually written in 24 hours, and that's the one which I gave to my friends to play. So that had the full, like, not full editor, but it had some degree of being able to make the levels and play them. From there, like two or three months later, I published it online. That was, you know, I polished it up a bit before I did that. And from that point, it took、um, two or three years of basically the community gradually building up. I used to run it from my own server, like in my in my home.、Mm-hmm. And then I got my, one of my friends who who had a server online to host it for me, and eventually it grew grew out of that server. And I had to move it to a data center and get some get some proper infrastructure set up. Yeah, like the whole time I was. Going home from my day job at the time, I had a programming job. I was I was working on web systems,、um, retail retail systems, and I would get home and you know code until I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. So I was doing like twenty twenty hour days of pure coding, and yeah, at a point like I, I realized that that's not going to be enough anymore because there was so much I wanted to do with us, and 
you know, the community was so active that managing the community itself was taking up half my time at that point. People asked, they wanted a way to support the game, so I put up a, a donation link at the time. I never really advertised that, but it got to the point where it was enough to support me to an extent, so I just cut back on my day job. I went into a more of a contractual agreement and spent half my time on OS, and yeah, that grew into a full-time thing over the next year or two. I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway because one of our supporters on the on the Kinsoki Radio side wanted me to ask, did you think OS would become as popular as it is today? Um, I'm not really one to think about the future. Like, I, I probably could have said that, like, looking at the Google Analytics, it is increasing in popularity. So, yes, it is going to get bigger, but I, I never really thought too much about how big it would get. Okay. So I guess you can say no to that answer. <laughs> the presence of Toho music on OS was large enough at some point in time, and I wasn't around, I didn't know about OS at the time to uh, to see this myself, but apparently, as an April Fool's joke, it had been joked that, oh, we're going to change the name to uh, Toho's and run with that. Is that is that true, or is that <laughs> some weird rumor that I've heard? Um, no, we did do that for an April Fool's, yep. We, we, we reskinned the whole game to have, like, <laughs> Toho characters on the main menu, and yeah, change the sound effects to, to, to ones you'd find in Toho. That's yeah, hilarious. so that definitely happened. And and that kind of spurred a group of users which wanted to see a Toho mode in OS, so like, you, you know, playing in time to the beat. And people have been asking when that's going to come ever since. And it has been, we have been working on that, actually. We, we've we've had versions, like prototype versions, where it's worked. Uh, it just hasn't, you know, getting getting something from a prototype to a full-on game mode is, it takes quite a bit more effort. As a developer, you've said that you might have an interest in going open source with some things. What what are you expecting the biggest benefit to be when you do go open source? Um, yeah, so we are actually completely open source now. Um, we're, we're in the process of rewriting the game from scratch, and that's that's going pretty well. Um, it's, not, it's not ready to go live yet, but we're hoping for a release this year. Um, the benefits I see in making the move to open source is there's a few things. One is that I really like the open source movement. A lot of the software I use is open source and I agree with um, the concepts behind it of um, being able to know know the code that you're running. So if, if I was a user of us and I didn't trust how, you know, how um, the creator of us was doing things and thought he was like having has has backdoors in the software or something, I can actually go into the code and see that for myself. So it's it's another level of transparency. And I think um, there have been some issues where people have uh, taken up with um, the anti-cheat and stuff in OS has been, in some people's opinions, overpowering, even though I think we did it in a better way than other games out there. Mm. But yeah, um, I, I, because people were having issue with um, the, the way things were implemented, open sourcing it means that they can now see how it's done and if they disagree they can submit a fix for it or a, a potential um, different way of implementing it. So it also allows people from the community to help out with the game more so than they could previously. Like we would have to get someone on board as a developer and add them to all the private um, code repositories and stuff. But these days anyone can just jump in and if they are good enough they can you know submit some code and we can we can actually get it into the game with a very very short turnaround time if i was to be able to do things again from the start i probably would have made it open source from from the get-go 
And the reasons I didn't want to make the old code base open source and the reason we're rewriting things from scratch is that I just wasn't happy with the quality of my code. Um, any coder out there will know that over the years, like you look back at the code you wrote six months ago or 12 months ago and you're like, I, I wrote this? <laughs> why, why did I do it this way? Yeah. Um, and yeah, looking back at us, you know, it's, it's been going for 10 years, almost 10 years now. And some of the code is still there from 2007 and you look at it and you're like, no, I don't want to make this public. So that's, that's the main reason <laughs> I haven't, I haven't open sourced the existing code so far. I'd like to move on. There's a, there's a few other questions here and these are for both of you. So if you want to turn it into a discussion, if one wants to answer than the other, however you want to do this. First question is pretty simple. How did you two meet? Uh, Peppy can answer this one. <laughs> uh, I don't remember. <laughs> Wait, uh, oh, hey, oh, okay, oh, all right, all right. You'll have to uh, answer it. We have a mutual friend. We have Keith as a mutual friend, and he was the one, I, I at the time, I was sharing music with him, and he really liked it, and he sent it to Peppy, and I think Peppy liked it or at least supported it and I just came into contact with them and I think from there we just kept talking to each other, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds very familiar. Yeah. Seismix is a freelance artist, I guess, is one way you could put it, but you do work for OS and Pappy's obviously involved in that. How, how is that working out? Yeah, so my recent focus has been to um, get more artists on board. Um, like, personally, I buy all my music and I like supporting artists. So us is kind of getting to the point where we where I have a bit more freedom um, financially to do that. And therefore, like, I've got a few members of the team focusing on contacting artists and trying to uh, get licensing for a lot of the content which we use. So both existing content and getting some new original content into us. And yeah, I guess Seismix just fit into that equation really well. Like he, he knows his stuff as far as uh, artists are concerned. He has, um, you know, he knows, he knows what works with us from a technical perspective. And his music also works very well in the game and has been used in the past without, without us pushing it at all. So Peppy's very supportive. Uh, he's probably the best person I've worked at because he gets a ton of mail and he answers it. He's open to people. Um, for example, if they want to contribute to us, um, he's open to getting them on board. Um, and all I had to do was to approach him about, like, I, I want to make music for us. And he was like, all right, let's do it. How much time these days do you devote to what it is that you do? Um, I still spend as many hours a week as I can working on the game and everything everything that comes with it. Um, I, I do take breaks occasionally. I do a bit of traveling. I like photography and stuff, so I get, I get that stuff in. But yeah, I, I would still spend more than a full-time job at very minimum um, every week. And I, I don't really you know, take standard holidays off or anything. And also because the Oz infrastructure is so big, we've got like... 30 to 40 servers now. Some of those are virtual servers, but um, there's a lot to keep track of. So it's pretty much also being on call 24 hours if something was to go wrong. My answer is a little bit more complicated because uh, inspiration is kind of a big deal. Um, it's difficult to come up with new concepts all the time. And I am a bit of a perfectionist in that I don't want music to sound the same. So I try to 
devote as much of my time to music as I can, if I can do it. So usually it'll be, um, the average is probably like four to five hours a day. Even if it's not making music, it's tweaking sounds or honing my mixing. Um, I, I have a lot of fun actually just, just trying to make new sounds. Um, that I put in my songs later on, and sometimes just making a sound is enough for me to start making a song. Um, but there's times where I'm like in a creative drought and I can't think of anything original and I don't want to make something if it's not original and then I get mad at myself and blah blah blah. It's kind of like an abusive relationship, but <laughs> um, if I if I can't do music, I'll, I'll try to do something else. Like right now with hiring other artists, on board and getting their the rights to their music for us when you first started doing this whether it was development uh, getting getting us out there more or whether it was in your case seismix taking music to more of a full focus what did you find was most challenging and what did you find that was easy the the most challenging is probably being able to to make music at a consistent rate. The easiest I probably would say would be, um, what is easy? <laughs> what uh, is easy? I mean, there's, <laughs> if I have concepts already lying around, finishing them is not that hard because I just get into a groove, which is so much fun. It's, it's hell if you can't think of something, but if you can think of something, you get so motivated. You just want to sit by the computer until that song is done because you just feel it. Um, yeah, for me, um, the easy part would be writing code. I can basically think of what I want to write code-wise faster than I can type it out. Um, the hard part is with us, there's so much involved in running the community and keeping everything going. You know, it's, it's hard to find the time to write that code. I, I don't spend enough hours a day actually in, in my ID writing code whether it be answering emails, watching over the forums and making sure nothing nothing huge is going wrong, making sure there's no security breaches, that kind of thing. Okay, this is pretty overarching over kind of everything we've talked about, but from your experiences, what would you tell others who are looking to get into what you're doing specifically, either the development world or the music creation world? Um, as far as develop development's concerned, I think, I, I mean, I say this every time, but these days it, it's so easy to get something working to get a simple game running or a simple app running. There's so many frameworks out there um, that you just need to like do it just 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 do it <laughs> um don't worry too much about which which language you're programming in or which framework you're using or anything just just make something happen and it doesn't have to be something amazing just make something move on the screen and take it from there i would say kind of the same goes for music if you want to get into music you have to just start doing it and uh sometimes people will not enjoy the the first startup part of it and for me it's i think it's important to enjoy what you do so if you if you don't enjoy it um try approaching it from a different perspective if you really want to do music don't set standards too high uh, i see this a lot is that artists are like i'm gonna be like this person or that person and music is so much more different like than that when you first get into it so don't hold yourself accountable if you can't make a song that sounds like Skrillex, you know, <laughs> uh, at first. You, you have to take baby steps to get there. 
Yeah, I really think it's the same with games as well. I mean, people set out and they're like, oh, I need to buy these software licenses to get to get the frameworks for my game and I need to hire artists and buy, buy graphics or buy, buy art assets. But I mean, everyone has paint. You can just open up paint, do some really simple pixel art and get something working. And once you have something that's actually enjoyable to play, then you can consider actually polishing it up and, and getting it out to the more general public. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. People are so afraid when they make something, they watch a tutorial on YouTube and then they're like, this doesn't sound like the thing I made. And it's, yeah, so you, you learn from it. Just just have fun with it and don't try to be something else. Just just have fun and do what you want to do. There's, there's no wrong. I think I was lucky to start out. I didn't look up any tutorials and I just learned the system just by tweaking knobs and having fun with it. Um, and I think that's a healthy way also to approach music making because you, you learn it instead of hearing someone else explain it, you learn it firsthand. Um, I think that's important. So make mistakes because that's what you learn from and don't be afraid to do something even if like standard pop music doesn't sound like this, this isn't something my friends would like, just do whatever you want. If you had the freedom to do whatever you want, why would you want to sound like something else? And like going against that, I think it goes for both of us. We we both started out doing something which wasn't original in the beginning. Like you started out with Toho remixes and I started out, you know, copying another game. But you, you have to start somewhere. And I, I think copying something and doing it slightly differently, um, not not doing it one by one. So don't go don't go stealing people's graphics or stealing people's tracks and just just adding things on top. But you know, re redo things that other people do. And it's a good way to learn is by re-implementing things from scratch and understanding the concepts behind them. And then, you know, eventually you will take your own direction from that. One of our supporters asked, for both of you, tea or coffee? Yes, tea. I don't really drink. Oh, actually, iced, iced coffee. Uh, I'll go with coffee, but I'm currently drinking tea, so. <laughs> and the final one, this is for Peppy. How did Osu's mascot character, Pippi, end up as a character in the in-development game Yandere Simulator? <laughs> I actually supported the developer of Yandere Sim on Patreon and I messaged him and was like, uh, he, at the time he was offering like including company logos and stuff on the on the splash screen. I'm like, I don't really, I'm not really interested in that, but it would be really cool if we could do some kind of collaboration with us in the game. And he, he was open to that. So that's how it happened. That's pretty good. I, I will say that um, he, he did everything himself, so he did an amazing job of like, you know, having us playing on one of the PCs in, in the, in the um, computer room of the school. It's an amazing game and he did an, an amazing um, attribution to us. Thank you both. I'm a big fan of Seismix's music, as you know, and, and Peppy, I think I've been playing O since uh, like 2010, 2011. It's been, it's been fun for, for, yeah, from both of you. Awesome. So thank, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was, it was good fun. Yeah, thank you. Uh, it means a lot. All right, we have hit the end of the show here. Uh, like I said at the beginning, it uh, was a lot to get through, but there's a ton of stuff that we learned from talking with these folks. Um, I guess I'll also mention like just editing down the material that we got. Uh, it was, I think I said two and a half to three hours worth down into uh, close to an hour was uh, quite a task. And I, when I say that, I mean it, it, we're talking somewhere around eight hours to do all of that. It's 
kind of ridiculous, being that this show is only two hours long. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's that's how it goes. Like, and I I guess I'm more familiar with how video editing goes. They say like for every um, hour you spend on video, like like filming video content, you get like a certain number of minutes out of it or something it's so like the the ratio is really really off but that's just how it is anyway so i know that nano had to step out and yep. you're still here dmj yeah i'm still here <coughs> and puzzle's still here Hi. either that or he's uh choking on some food and we need to call for help no no, no i i was just showing the that it, my existence was still here oh okay that's that's good i actually thought it was the <laughs> other way around i thought nano was to hear and puzzle left because when nano left it sounded like puzzle oh okay. but i was also paying attention to the actual interview so it was kind of weird <laughs> yeah uh some last things to mention i guess so I, I do have a link here, and if you're in our Discord chat at discord.gg gr, if you're not, the show is ending, but we are always in there, and I'm going to link something here. It's a place where you can find some of the songs that Seismix has done, which are uh, easily accessible for, for OS, for making a map in OS, for, for doing something on that platform. So, if you want, go take a look at that. Uh, if you are not in the chat. It's new.ppy.sh slash beatmaps slash artists slash two, or honestly, you can just look up Seismics on OS. In my experience, it's uh, interesting searching for anything uh, OS-related, because if you just type in OS in Google, you'll get, like, Oregon State University, Ohio State University... <laughs> <laughs> It's, oh uh, yeah, it's and, and, it's and, hard to find OS. And if you and if you search if you search OS game, it's gonna give you like football stats from those universities. It's weird, like <laughs> so. But you, just music rhythm game, like that's the term you have to enter in, and you'll find it. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's fun, good times. Um, yeah, it's some some folks have mentioned like uh, Zach is on patreon seismics is on patreon as well and we hey we have also, uh we have so. a new uh uh we have a speaking of patreon somebody just messaged in chat that they just uh got billed for their uh, patreon stuff uh that's not quite right but it's a good try um <laughs> but yeah as i was saying before i was interrupted again <clears throat> i'm waiting you're, you're waiting really are, are, are you sure Yep. Okay. Because I just did it again. Oh! You're you're lame. That. Okay. Let me start from the beginning. Zach's on Patreon. Seismix is on Patreon, and I'm supporting him out there too. And we are also through LSM and our projects. So do go take a look. Uh, yeah. We it we spend a lot of time on what we do, and we love doing this stuff. In fact, if I had more time, I would have put together like a cool little intro thing saying like, you know, put the little like, hi, I'm Freezy X and, and, and Zach and, you know, all of them like together with, with 
different background music. You know, one of the things that people have told us they think is cool about this station when, when we actually do it is uh, doing little inserts that play during regular station hours. I mean, obviously we only do this show uh, once a month, but we have the ability to like kind of change up the, the playlist a little bit in, uh, in the regular rotation, so... It's supposed to be that every hour we say, hey, you're listening to Gensokyo Radio. And then along with that, I mean, like, there's a whole scheduling system that we can just do stuff like that. Add other things. Those are, we call them inserts. So uh, it's a it's a nice way to kind of get that out there. But anyway, so if you are interested, I'm what I'm going to do actually is for anyone who is on LSM's campaign, any level whatsoever, I'm going to be putting the full interviews out there. Uh, the uh, the two and a half to three hours of content. I don't actually know exactly how long it is, but uh, I'll, I'll put it out there so that if you are interested in hearing, like, uh, for example, when we were talking about open source stuff with Pepe, um, he, uh, we talked a little bit more about like how I, at my workplace, had, did a little research into how like the game Doom went open source eventually. You know, it was originally published by a company closed source, but there was a point in time where the community wanted to do things like multiplayer and add mods in and stuff. And actually, there was a past show here on GR where our tribe had mentioned that some of the uh, developers who did mods for games started with Doom and things like that kind of back in the 90s. So mm, there is a tie-in there as well. Uh, that was actually during one of the shows where we had John Schaefer, the uh, lead uh Develop, developer designer developer know, developer of uh, civilization 5 sid meyer civilization 5 so if you if you didn't know that we have that show out there and by the way all of our shows are available on mixcloud satchel or we do have our own um podcast place as well it's basically i guess you can go to satchel or there's another link out there too that i don't really advertise but it's out there uh yeah some final mentions what final is this again? I don't know. If you haven't played OS before and you are interested in music rhythm games, it is at uh, OS that or, uh, os.pepi.sh. That is osu.ppy.sh. Um, and yeah, it's I've actually been I started playing that game about six years ago myself. So long I before played, I started playing. Long before sh- shortly yeah. after I joined the website. Yeah, long before I started doing anything in Sokyo Radio stuff, I was already playing this game. I mean, I mentioned this during a seismic show we had in the past, but I'm like level 99, <laughs> which it's really tough. Like, uh, it's the the level progression. I guess it does go like 100 and above, but it, yeah, at this level, I don't, it's almost like no life level. Uh, understand though that this was most of this happened like in the first year or two that I played and then things slowed way down uh, man back in the day when I was ranked 7000 <laughs> anyway I digress thank you all for listening tonight it has been a pretty great turnout uh, we were up to 109 listeners again that I think ties for uh, well it doesn't tie but it gets it gets up there and we're always here on discord uh, you can talk with us and of course Gensoki Radio itself is a 24 hour internet radio station playing some of the best works from the Toho music community and all that good stuff so 
Kintsuki Radio Live number 53. I am Lunar here for DMJ Puzzle and Nano. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.